here at MPI. We want to thank you all for joining us. We appreciate your presence here in the house of God. This morning we have a sister Iris. If she can please come up and please, and please give her a hand as she comes up and testify. Good morning, church. Hallelujah. Are we in victory or what? Hallelujah. Let me hear you. Are we in victory or what? Come on now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, these past few weeks after the elections and all, you know, I kept, I would go to work and then also on Facebook, I would hear and see and hear a lot of negative response towards our new president. And I was getting a little bit of angry in my spirit because I'm like, Praise God. I, I understand unbelievers, but believers, come on now. So, you know, God was dealing with me. And, and, then, and then it's like the day that he was elected, it was already done in heaven. Okay? This, is, this wasn't new. This was done a long time ago because the word of God teaches that whatever is done today has been, God decided long time ago. So we shouldn't act or, or, or be in fear of our future because of the president that we have now. If anything, we should pray for him, you know, and we should lift him up because he, this is new. And the Bible says that God chooses the things that are foolish to this world to confuse the wise. Hallelujah. So he may be a foolish man, but in God's eyes, he's looking at his heart. You know, and God is going to work with him. And so, you know, and the buses, I would go to work or come back from home, come back from work. I would hear a lot, oh, this man or, you know, and like I said, we as, as Christians, we shouldn't compromise and start thinking like the world. We should think, we, we should put our, our faith in God and not man because he is only a vessel that God is going to use. So, and um, Isaiah 41, 10, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Hallelujah. Church, we are in victory. No matter what it looks like out there, we are in victory. Why? Because God says it. His promises are true. They are yes and amen. And we need to cling to the promises of God and believe and uphold his promises because he is God overall. And we focus on God and not on man. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you, Father, that your promises are yes and amen, Father God. And we will believe in your word that your word says that to not fear it because you are our God. Do not be dismayed because you will strengthen us. We will not be afraid of the future, Father God, because our lives are in your hands, oh God. We are a victorious church, Father God, calling the things that be not as though they were. We operate by faith and not by sight, Father God. Thank you, Lord God, that we are victorious. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.
Say, I want to scream it out. I want to scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. See, I sing, and I sing because you are good, and I dance because you are good, and I shout because you are good. You are good to me. Because you are good and I dance because you are good and I shout because you are good, you are good, good to me. Come on, somebody shout it, you're good, good to me. Oh, I love this right here. Nothing and no one comes anywhere close to you. The earth and oceans deep only reflect this truth that in my darkest night you shine as bright as day. Your love amazes me. Yeah, yeah. I sing because you are good and I dance because you are good and I Yeah. 
nothing is impossible because through you lord every blind eye is open <laughs> all our strongholds they were broken on the cross Woo! oh because we are living by faith nothing is impossible oh, oh, oh. nothing is impossible Woo. Does anybody believe this morning that nothing, 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 no situation, no stronghold, oh, no circumstance you're facing is impossible? Woo. So God of miracles come. We need your super natural love oh, to break through tell them nothing's impossible you're the God of miracles Woo! does anybody in this room believe that today come on lift your voice and say God of miracles say we need your supernatural to break through oh, oh. see nothing but you're the God you're the God of miracles let faith arise Woo. in spite of what I see But help my unbelief, I choose to trust you. Woo! No matter what I feel, let faith arise. Woo! Hey! Here's why we're excited. Let faith arise. Let me tell you this morning, huh? for my champion's not dead. He is alive. Oh! And he already knows my Somebody say, surely he will come. Oh. Now somebody throw your hands up and say, God of miracles come. We need supernatural love to break through. Say, nothing's impossible. You're the God. You're the God of miracles. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Say God of miracles. God of miracles. We need your supernatural to break through. And I feel the Holy Ghost in the room today. So here's what I want you to do. I believe in interactive worship. Is that all right? If you can say this morning, Brandon, I am going through some situations 
I've got some circumstances I'm facing. There's sickness in my body. I've got financial issues. I'm having a tough time having faith and trust in God this morning. Is there anybody in the room who would just raise their hand and say, this is where I'm at? It's all right. We can be honest in the house of the Lord. Amen? Do me a favor. Let's bring the lights up a little bit more. I just want everybody to see this. Because this is what the congregation means. This is what it means to worship God in a congregation. That we can come before the Lord and say, I've got needs this morning. I need some help. I need some strength in my faith. So here's what I want us to do. The Bible says in Zephaniah 3 that God rejoices over us with singing. The first month I came here, I told you the importance of releasing sound, right? That your worship is prophesying into the atmosphere. You are releasing and changing the literal molecular structure of everything around you when you release a sound of worship, all right? So what we're going to do as brothers and sisters, if you see somebody with their hand raised saying, I need some help, I need some strength in my faith, I just want you to turn around to them and I want you to touch them. Lay your hand on them, lay your, uh, uh, point your hand toward them, however you feel comfortable. But we're going to help sing over some people today. Is that all right? And we're going to ask the God of miracles to come in and do supernatural signs and wonders and works in their life. Are you ready? I want you to join with heaven right now and I want you to release a sound over your brothers and sisters who need encouragement right now. Come on, tell them, sing it, say, God of miracles come. Come on, say, we need your supernatural to break through. Say, nothing's impossible. You're the victorious 
and revival is rising in his name come on say the king is among us the king is among us and his glory surrounds us and his fire is falling come on say the savior the savior is for us and his love is victorious and revival is rising in his name tell him because we need your revival holy spirit fire burning yes in come on every hand lifted say it kings and kingdoms come on this is corporate worship King of Kings, come on, lift up a corporate sound. We need your, we need, come on, cry out over Chicago. Let it burn, Jesus. Let it burn in our souls. Kings and kingdoms, kings and kingdoms calling, your people calling. King of Kings, we Come on, over your family, say, we need your revival. We need your revival. Holy Spirit, burning, burning ever brighter. Kings and kingdoms, we hear, Lord. declare this the king said the king is among us savior is for us come on say it and his love is victorious revival revival is rising one more time say the king declare the king is among us his glory surrounds us his fire is falling as we see the savior the savior is for us love is victorious and revival is With every hand lifted, we're going to just say it like this. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God. is what our hearts long for. Say it again. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for to be over. Yeah. 
sing it out. Say it. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to your hands lifted. Let's sing it in unison. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Sing this out with heaven.
release a sound that shakes the atmosphere. Yeah, hallelujah. This is how we started and this is how we're gonna end it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's breakthrough in the room. There's freedom in the room. Yeah, all you gotta do is open your mouth and release a sound. Hallelujah. thankful for his presence today come on not just today but every day every waking moment of our lives but how sweet it is that we can gather as a church family and be in his presence Jesus we're so thankful today come on in your own words tell Jesus what you're thankful for as we near Thanksgiving we're gonna be congregating together with our families but as believers, we know that we don't just celebrate Thanksgiving on one day a year. It's every day that we give thanks to Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for leading us and guiding us. We thank you for the cross today, oh God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are near to the brokenhearted. Hallelujah, Lord. Church, I really feel that God wants to speak today and I want to give him the platform we believe in the gifts of the spirit in this church we believe that words of wisdom and knowledge and prophecy could come forward so we're gonna make room for Jesus to speak to our hearts today and we're gonna be still and know that he is God hallelujah Lord, let your word come forth. We are listening today. Share with me in this joy. Share. 
Come on, let's respond to that. If you have not experienced the fullness of joy in the presence of the Lord, lift up your hands because it is for you today. No matter the situation, the circumstances that you're facing in life, weeping may remain for the night, but joy comes in the morning time. Come on. If you shouted, you just got your breakthrough. That was for you today. Come on. Joy comes in the morning time. No matter what the enemy brings against us or causes for our harm, God will turn it around. Lord, we thank you for this joy that cannot be defined by this world. We thank you for this joy, oh God, that is unconditional. Your love that is unconditional. And we thank you that we have access to it. If you guys can hold the hand of the person sitting and standing next to you. How many of you guys know that holidays can be such a, a beautiful, special time that we spend with our families? But at the same time, there's so much brokenness in our families. There's so much pain. There could be so much hurt. And for many of you today, thinking about spending time with your family or being together in the holidays, there might be somebody that may not be there because you lost them this year. Or there may be a tragedy that had, has happened and it may be just really hard for you emotionally to come to that day and say, you know what, I don't know if I could be happy being with my family. But I want to encourage you today and I'm going to have Brother Ish pray. I want to encourage you today to shine your light for Jesus. Because the God that is in you is greater than he that is in the world who tries to bring the division in your family. And I want us to believe for the salvation of those that don't know Jesus. That this Thanksgiving, as you gather together, that the peace of Christ will rule in their hearts. That the peace and joy that only Jesus can bring will fill that living room, will fill that dining room table, will fill that kitchen. As the mamas are cooking and the kids are playing and, and the men are hanging out, whatever is happening, that because you're there, the atmosphere changes because you're bringing the presence of Jesus Christ into that room and you have to understand that there is power wherever you go because it's the light of Christ in you. So I pray that this Thanksgiving as we gather together with our family and our friends, that because you are there and you're gonna speak the word over them, that healing will come, that peace will be there and that unity will, will join your hearts together if there has been division this year. So I'm going to have Ishpray as our elder. He has such a father's heart. He's such an awesome disciple for the Lord. And I just want us to come together in agreement. And if that is you this holiday season, I want you to believe God for a miracle. And then we're going to sing that, that the God of miracle comes this holiday. Amen. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I pray against division in the family right now generations of division strongholds i pray against them in jesus name and i declare unity and love peace lord god in the family lord i pray jesus that you be the center of every dinner table of every conversation god of everything spoken lord let it be a pleasing aroma unto you father god i pray that everything that is spoken god will bring you honor and praise lord god and if anything tries to bring division jesus Use your church, Lord God, to mend, to heal the brokenhearted, to heal the sick. Use your church, Father God. Every person here, you can be used. We can be used, God. Use us, God, to bring a word of comfort, to bring a word of peace, to bring a word of tranquility, 
to bring a word of prosperity, to bring a word of joy, Lord. Use us, God. We are your vessels. We are your jars of clay, God. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, let's sing this over our families. Jesus, that you, where we go, oh God, you're going to follow. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your joy and your peace that only you can bring. The healing that will come this Thanksgiving. The healing, the souls that will be saved. Use us, oh God, to speak your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Woo! We serve an awesome God. He is so good. You guys can find your seat. Maybe shake your neighbor's hand. Children, we thank you for joining us in this worship time today. Let's give it up for our King's kids. Isn't it awesome that they could be in the presence of the Lord with us, experiencing the power of God? I was talking with my girls on the way here that I really want them to start learning to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and experience God. And what an honor that we get to have our children be with us in this same room as we hear the the word that gets to come forward experiences power. Praise the Lord. How many of you guys are so thankful for Jesus? So thankful for the life that he's given to us. Welcome to Metro Praise International. For those that may not know who I am, I'm Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here, and I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. We always want to open up the service this way because we want everybody to hear the simple message that Jesus saves. And in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said this, 
If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There are so many people in this world that are not set free from their sin. They're not set free from the bondage of life. And it's because they have not truly surrendered their life to God, to follow his commands, to hold to his teachings, so then that truth comes to set them free. And this message is for those of you this morning who are just passing through life saying, yeah, I believe Jesus is real. Yeah, I believe God and there's a heaven and there's a hell. But you have not truly turned your life over to follow him, to hold to the teachings that he gives, to align your life against his commands and to say, you know what? It's not going to be my way anymore. I'm going to do it God's way. Because then and only then does Jesus say, then you're really my disciple. Because he didn't come to make believers out of us. He didn't try to convince and beg you to believe in him because he, he's insecure. He doesn't need our validation. He created us for worship. He created us for relationship. He created us for communion. That was our ultimate goal. And so now when we reject him, that's going to be a, a consequence on your life. And when you reject him, the only thing left is hell for all of eternity. And that is not what we were created for. We were created to love him. We were created to know him. And he says, come, follow my teaching. Then you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So if you want to be free today, you need to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not enough just to believe because the Bible says that the demons believe that God exists and they shudder. They shudder. They know that he is real, but we have the opportunity to not only believe in him, but to live for him as a disciple of Jesus and to know this truth that can set us free from the power of sin and hell. So with all eyes closed all across this room, I pray that today you get right with the living God. One year ago today, my family and I got into a car accident. We were not promised the next moment of our life, but God spared us all. Just a couple of weeks ago, I had one of my grammar school friends. We actually grew up in the neighborhood together, went to grammar school and high school together. Her husband finds her on the floor, unconscious, immediately goes into brain surgery, just like that. And there was a picture on Facebook with her husband holding her wedding rings, saying, please come back to me. Just one more time, I just want to tell you that I love you. She was not guaranteed to wake up from that surgery. The praise report is she, ha she did, and she's, a, she's totally fine today. She had a brain aneurysm, a blood clot. So my friends, get right with Jesus today. If you're not following his ways, you're not promised the next minute. You're not promised leaving this church building and being okay. So let's close our eyes and pray. I want you to get right with Jesus today. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room that they would sense the urgency of the hour, that our time on earth is short, that you are coming soon to take your church. And I pray that today that they will not allow this gospel message, this opportunity to respond, I pray that they will not allow it to pass them by. I pray that today they respond 
because it is your loving kindness that draws all men unto repentance. So let your loving kindness, oh God, reach down into their heart and draw them to you, God. And I pray that they would not resist it any longer. They will say, I want to hold to the teachings of Jesus and be a disciple. That they will repent of their sin, turn from their ways, and do it your way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Please stand up to your feet. If you mean business with Jesus today, we have two prayer workers right here at the front. In just a few moments, after we recite our confession of faith, they're going to be available for you to come and receive prayer. And I will encourage you, come and get prayer from them today and find out how to get plugged into the church so that you could be a disciple for Jesus. Let's recite our confession of faith. The reason why we do this every week is because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see life. It's through the lens of scripture, through the lens of truth. So on the count of three, let's recite it together. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation and his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and the eternal reward of believers in Jesus, and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Woo! God is good. Spend some time fellowshipping. Greet people. Shake their hand. Give them a hug.
All right, you guys can make your way back to your seats. Don't you guys just love hanging out with each other? One big happy family. All right. I love the love. We lo I love you too, whoever said it. All right, welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. Thank you so much for joining us for our first service. We're so thankful on behalf of all of our leadership here. Thank you for worshiping the Lord with us today. We're so excited about all that God is doing in our church and in this community. So we welcome you to MPI. Our services here are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. So we have King's Kids in the back for our children. If you have children, we have an awesome children's ministry with the best workers. Uh, they'll be in good hands back there. And then we have Elevate. Fridays at 7 p.m. every week, 11 to 18 years old. This is our youth service. God's doing awesome things. So if you know any teenagers, please invite them to be here on Friday nights at 7 o'clock. Today is the Christmas talent show auditions. This is for our Christmas service. So if you guys are pumped, ready to go, you got to be in the 201, a deacon or an elder to, to be able to participate. And so the auditions are happening today. If you have any questions, please see Pastor Jerry or Adam. They will begin promptly at 3.30. I'm sure you guys have communicated, um, you know, otherwise if you can't make it. But we're really excited, and we can't wait for you guys to show off your talent for the Lord and before the church. And also this week, right around the corner, just a few more days, it's Thanksgiving. It's going to be our outreach for the week and for this season. So it's going to be November 24th, this Thursday, meeting here at the church at 10 o'clock in the morning. And we'll drive over to the west side together and just bless that community. We'll be partnering with the church, feeding the families, witnessing right in front and uh, preaching the gospel and just being a blessing to that community. So we thank you all that have made plans to join us. And we pray that you guys have a blessed Thanksgiving with your family as well. Here at MPI, we have a vision, a strategy, and a goal. Somebody say vision. Our vision here is loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and we need to strive to live up to that with everything inside of us. And then we have a strategy. Say strategy. Our strategy is to connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. And then we want to send you out to keep evangelizing and preaching the gospel to the lost. And our goal by doing all of that is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Does that get you excited? Come on, look to your neighbor and say, get connected then. We have awesome life groups all throughout the week. This is a snapshot of this week. If you want to find out the different kinds of life groups that we have, please turn your hand out around. You'll see the schedule that we have for the rest of the year. This is the last quarter of the year. So much going on throughout the week and months. And just a great opportunity for you guys to get plugged in with your family. So kicking it off today for this week is our marriage life group. So we're calling all married couples to come on out today at 5 o'clock meeting here. Child care is provided and it's going to be about having a thankful marriage. So we're so excited about the blessing and that's going to be for you guys today. And Friday we have our two adult Bible studies happening. It's going to be at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivid's house. And let me just tell you, they're having a Friendsgiving. Woo! 
So don't miss out on that opportunity. Thursday could be with your other friends or family, and make Friday an opportunity to bring people with you, coworkers, your neighbors. Go have fun at these life groups and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in the Lord. I think that's a, such a powerful time. We want a lot of visitors to come and fill up those houses so that we could be and show the love of Jesus. Amen. So let's pack out those life groups today and Friday. Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We have a 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. And this book is done one-on-one -on -one with a leader in the church. And that leader is going to be in your life to encourage you and to challenge you to live for God, putting him first in everything that you do. And when you graduate the 101, you'll, then you'll get into the 201 class that's disciples that make disciples so that you could be trained to be a leader, one day to be ordained as a deacon or an elder, because we believe that God that, that's God's call for your life, to grow up, be mature in the Lord and the things of God, and to be all that he's called you to be in his church and in this time uh, that we live in and then we want to send you out to do evangelism every Saturday you have the opportunity to go evangelizing street witnessing with people that are warriors for the Lord the Marines for Jesus from five to eight you can be out there preaching the gospel allowing God to use you and you will be so amazed if you've never done it I want to encourage you to try it because you'll be so amazed of how God speaks through you a lot of times evangelism seems like a scary thing to people but if you've never done it you'll never see how God can move through your life and use you to use you to preach the gospel and people actually get saved guys it's not just something that we do because we have nothing better to do God has mandated us and we go and preach the good news because maybe 50 reject it but it's all for that one. If one receives it, it's worth it all in the scope of eternity. So in, in, in recap, Metro Praise has a vision, a strategy, and a goal. A vision to love God and love people. Strategy to connect, mentor, and send. And a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. How many of you guys excited to give today? Our tithes and offerings to the Lord. This is an extension of our worship. We're going to be getting into the lesson in, uh, in a little bit. I want to recap this. A tithe is 10% of our total income. MPI believes that this is what the Bible teaches, and we give it regularly to the church, faithfully to the Lord. And we give an offering above the tithe. That amount is between you and Jesus, whatever he puts on your heart to give, and we give cheerfully with a thankful heart. And I want to share with you guys, uh, because today is a special day, it is a little sad, but Brandon Halt's this is his last visit with us. If you guys remember for the building fund campaign that we did for a soul winning summer. So let's give it up for all that Brandon has blessed us with. Brandon, we thank you so much for blessing this church and our, our worship ministry. Everybody on stage here, we've grown so much to another level of pressing in. And I want to just share with you guys that you guys have given faithfully. You gave faithfully to that building fund. We came out with a bang with the soul winning summer. But I want us to do something special and sow a seed specifically into his life as he leaves from here and God continues to do what he's called him to do in this world for the Lord and, and the talents and the uh, the anointing that is on his life. I want you guys to sow a seed into his ministry today. And that is considered an offering. That is not something that you do because of pressure. That is something you do because God has spoken to your heart, the amount that he wants you to give, and you want to give cheerfully because you want to sow a seed so that God brings a harvest, a harvest to his life, a harvest into your life, a harvest into our ministry. So we are very, very thankful for all that God has done uh, in this time here. And I want to say a special prayer for him. So if you guys can stretch forth your hands towards Brandon. 
We want to pray a prayer of blessing as he continues on his journey and all that God has had, uh, the dreams that he's given to him and his ministry that will continue to increase. Lord, we thank you for Brandon. We thank you that, um, that he is an example of a true worshiper. We thank you that he led us into your presence all these months, has taught us so much about uh, having a, an effective worship ministry and the gift that he's given to us, God, that you've imparted to him to teach. Lord, we thank you for his life. We thank you for the gift that is upon him and the love that he has for you and for people. And I pray that you bring an increase in this next season. Even, may, even when things may seem a little dim or uh, unsure, God, I know that he has his trust and his faith in you that every door, oh God, that you open, he will walk through and you will shut every door that is not for him. And I just pray that he will continue to seek your face hear the Holy Spirit's voice, and I pray that he will know that Metro Praise is behind him, praying for him, and we love him, and we're so thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Woo! Praise the Lord. We thank you. Let's get into our um, giving lesson. I'm going to let you guys know in just a moment after we do that how to, to give to him. We're going to be in lesson five today, overcoming fatigue. We're almost done with this section. We're almost done with the whole book. This book takes us all the way to the end of the year. We've learned so much. So overcoming fatigue. A hindrance is something that prevents us, excuse me, prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. And we don't want to allow fatigue to come into our life and keep us from fulfilling God's call on our lives. So in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, it says, "Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up." I love that verse. Don't give up. Let's keep pressing through. Don't allow fatigue and tiredness to get you down. Let's read the main points from that verse. Number 1, are you getting tired of doing good? The Bible is clear that not only are we to not give up doing good, but we are never to allow ourselves to get fatigued in doing good. It is not good enough to just serve God out of obligation. God wants your service to him to come from a heart of joy. So whenever serving the Lord seems like you're doing it because you're obligated to or you're being forced to, you're not doing it out of a relationship for him. It's religiosity. And religion is dead, my friends. And so allow the joy of the Lord to flood your heart and give your tithe, give your offering, serve in the church out of a heart of joy and gratitude. Number two, do you doubt God's timing? Impatience is a form of pride because we want God to do things our way in our timing. However, true faith trusts God, even when you don't understand his ways. Remember, God's blessings may not come when you want them to, but they are always on time. Living for the Lord and giving your tithes takes trust. And you're saying, Jesus, I put you first. My finances belong to you because I know everything is going to flow and you're going to make everything come into order in my life. And number three, do you think your harvest is not coming? Fatigue and weariness sets in when you lose sight of God's promises. It happens when all you see is your sacrifices and not the heart of God for your life. Don't allow your present circumstances to dictate your identity. Praise God and be faithful at all times in sowing and in reaping. Because there may be seasons where you're just sowing. I'm sowing, I'm sowing, I'm sowing, Lord. I don't see my harvest yet. I'm sowing. A year passes by, two years pass by. But guess what, guys? It is a lifestyle. And that blessing, that harvest will come when God says, now, now you can get it. 
It's in his timing. Trust him every step of the way. So in summary, make the joyful choice. Not become tired in serving God with your finances. Three ways you can apply this lesson to your life. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, 10% of your total income and your offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, repent if you have allowed yourself to become tired and impatient in your giving. And three, ask God to give you strength and joy to never grow weary or give up. Let's confess this together over our life. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. If that gets you excited, please stand up to your feet with me as we prepare to give the Lord our best today. Praise God. So again, a tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly. We designate here our offering towards missions and towards building fund. And we thank you so much for your generosity through this, through this year and all that God has done. And just to give you guys a little direction, if you want to give to Brandon today and sow seed into his ministry, on the envelope, please put Brandon, okay? If you're going to give checks, just make sure that on the envelope you specify the amount that's going to Brandon if it's cash on the envelope. But if you're giving a check, make it out to Metro Praise. On the memo line, put Brandon, and then we'll give him one big check from NPI. It just makes it easier for us for accounting purposes for you guys to make it out to us. Let us know that it is for him, and then we'll give him one check as it all gets gathered together. Amen. Let's recite this verse together. Oh, four ways. I'm sorry. Four ways to give at MPI. Number one, in the bucket during the offering time. Number two, you could put your uh, envelope in the wall-mounted drop boxes. Number three, in the back with a credit debit card. Pastor Griselda is ready for you if you want to do that today. And number four, you can uh, go to Chase. You could go online, use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or Bill Pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Let's recite Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you so much for your blessings in our life, God. And we thank you that you're faithful. And I pray, oh God, that today, if any one of us are experiencing fatigue, fatigue in giving, fatigue in being faithful and following your commands, I pray that we would repent, God, and allow your joy and your peace to rejuvenate us and refresh us, and that we would know that we do not get weary in doing good, because at the proper time, when you say it's time, God, we will reap a harvest. So I pray for faithfulness and generosity to continue to exude out of our heart. And we will trust you, God, in our workplaces and our job to meet the needs of us and our family. And we give you all the glory, all the praise that is due your name today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on. Come up as you give. We thank you so much for your generosity.
All right, how many are ready for a special drama sermon? Come on, make some noise, make some noise. Y'all ready to do it? Open up your Bibles with me to the book of Luke. We are going to be talking today about the parable of the sower. I'm so glad that you guys are here today. I am blessed to have Brandon with us. I'm going to make sure that my family sows a good seed into his life. And what's great is that you get to see the illustration today of seeds. And that's why we always talk in the Bible about seeds. Uh, I know in Chicago we don't think about farming a lot, but how many like farms? Anybody like farms? How many like to eat food from farms? All right, good. You don't like synthetic stuff, right? You know you want the real stuff. Uh, one of my goals in life is to actually have a farm. I want to have a farm right outside the city, have some horses. I want to be totally indigenous, have my own uh, meat through the cows. So raise up cows to eat and slaughter every year to have the steak, the beef, all of that. I then want to have all the milk from there, never have to buy milk again. All of the cheese dairy products, never have to buy it again. And then I want to have my own chickens and then have my own chicken meat the rest of my life, own eggs, and I eat eggs all the time. And then I want to have my own little garden with all that stuff right there and then I want to have rabbits because if anything ever goes down the, the rabbits multiply fast and they're good eating they're good eating and so I got to have those rabbits just in case I'm a little bit of a um, what do they call that a prepper I want to make sure I have a water well on the property so I can get the water out the water ever goes down I got water I got animals I'm safe and I got guns okay <laughs> And then you can come to my house and hang out. So just pray for Pastor to get that farm. How many of you, uh, whether it was your parents or grandparents, actually lived on farms? How many of you are like second generation, third generation removed from farms? I got my hands up raised. My grandparents were farmers. Most of us who live in the city don't have a long history in the city. If we just go back a few generations, where do we go back to? We go back to farms. Whether it's farms in Italy, farms in Poland, farms in Greece, farms in Mexico, farms. Your mom is right by a farm. It was beautiful. Chickens in the backyard. We were there. And let me just tell you, I went to uh, Chilapa, which is in Nayarit, Nayarit, Mexico, with uh, Ishmael. And while we were there, his mother was making all of this wonderful food. It was great. And uh, one morning I woke up, and it was a little bit different. It was a little different. It was a little too farmy for me. It was the innards and the gizzards. And it was for breakfast. And I was a little bit thrown off by that. So I'm like, I'm going to be nice to Madre. You know, I'm in her casa. You know, I'm, I'm going to eat it. And I'm just, oh, praise the Lord. Lots of salsa on this, man. I'm eating this. And I wake up after Ish. I, that's what I do when I wake up. Ish wakes up, looks at it and goes, ah, mom, I don't eat that stuff. Make me a quesadilla or something. And I'm like, I'm like, hold up, bro. The gringo just sat at your mom's table and ate all this stuff. You better eat this stuff too. But you know, I was real. I was real into it. And it, and it just, I loved it. I was like a little village. We would walk around, hang out. And then all of a sudden, what would you see coming down the road? A horse, just a random horse walking down the street. We started hanging out with the horse. I was almost going to saddle the horse, but I was like, maybe it's a little crazy horse walking down the street looking for trouble. And I'm like, man, I'm going to get in trouble with this horse. But I loved it in Nayarit. And all of our families, like I said, most of our families come back to the farm. So today's message is going to be uh, speaking about sowing seed. I said Luke, but open up your Bible with me rather than Matthew 13. 
And so what our, what our idea was this whole summer, as we're coming into the fall obviously now, but uh, the, the summer was to really make it about winning souls. We incorporated having Brandon with us and just having great messages. And so this is the last one. We were going to do it a few months ago, but there were some changes that came up. And so I've been planning this for a while. And what's going to make this unique today is that when I'm talking about this parable, we then have two thespians, through two actors. Did I say the words right? Thespians? Okay. Thespian. Everybody say thespian. You're learning a word. You're learning a new word. It's an actor. Don't think anything else. And they're going to come up, and they're going to act it out, and it's going to be really cool. You know we, know we don't do that stuff here, so it's going to be really cool for us. I did say, and since I'm still, I'm still on this right now with Ishmael, I said we do want to do another play one day, have Jesus, you know, get crucified and all of that, but I'm tired of seeing skinny, sexy Jesus. Next Jesus is going to be plump Latino Jesus. This is another joke with my friend Ishmael. Ishmael will be Jesus. So I don't know if you've ever seen a, a, a healthy Jesus, but we're going to have a healthy Jesus up in here. Amen? Because I'm tired of skinny Jesus. I'm tired of blue-eyed, blonde-haired Jesus. Amen? We, we need burrito-eating Jesus. That's what we need. We need Jesus with some meat on his bones. Amen? El Gordo Jesus. Does that even make sense? Kind of? Okay, I try. Today, the parable of the sower. Everybody say, the parable of the sower. Awesome. I'm so glad you guys are here. Thank you. Look at this passage. Jesus is going to tell the parable. Okay? Now, Jesus was the master at telling stories. The, the idea of a parable is to make something complicated simple, to tell a story, to illustrate a lesson. Jesus was the master at this. Jesus could make word pictures and really convince you through what he would tell in his stories. And these are parables, so they come with lessons. They're not just a story for a story's sake. They come with lessons. Some of the most famous parables are like the parable of the Good Samaritan. Anybody hear that? Good Samaritan. Other parables are uh, the parable of the shrewd steward who cuts deals on the side, teaching us how to do things in business. A lot of parables in the Bible. How many know a few parables? If I asked you to come tell one, you could do it. Now, come on. How many know parables? Parables are cool. Now, watch. This is what we're going to do. We're going to read the parable. And then there's some section in between where the disciples ask him what the parable means. We don't have time to get all into that, but we'll skip right to the part where Jesus gets the gives the explanation. So we'll read the parable, then explanation. Let's get into it. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Awesome. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Verse 6, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil. Soil. Everybody say good soil. Thank you. Where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. So look at your neighbor and pull on their ear and say, listen. This is what you want to listen to right here. Now, Jesus will give us the explanation. Now, many of you have heard this story, so you already know it. You all having fun playing with each other's ears? Wet willies and stuff? Okay. Let's go back to serious talk here. Church, it's serious. 
I can't even say that without smiling. Serious. Okay. Now here's Jesus who's going to tell us what it means because we could make up our own meaning to this parable. We would have no idea what it meant, but Jesus told us, here's the lesson. So it's not just a riddle where Jesus just tells a riddle and goes like, y'all figure it out. No, it's a parable where he tells the reason for why he's told us this. So we get the lesson. And what's so awesome is that every person here can get it. You are smart enough to get this. Children can get it. We teach them in the back to our Sunday school. We teach them to new Christians, whether or not you've ever gone to church before or really read your Bible. If you now listen to Jesus' explanation, you will literally be like, man, I got it. I get it. I know what's going on here. And so just in recap, Jesus said there was a a farmer. He went out to sow seed. And then he talks about where the seed landed in four different places. One place is on a path. And the birds came and ate the seed. Another seed hits on shallow, rocky soil. And it only grows a little bit. Sun comes out, scorches it. Another falls among weeds. The weeds come and choke it out. The other falls in good ground, begins to grow and multiply. Verse 18. Somebody say, I'm there. Thank you. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. There's the first explanation. The next one, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. That's the second one. Verse 22, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and because we know that Matthew is in the synoptic gospels, as we're learning about John, John teaches 90% new material, Matthew is a part of the synoptic gospel, which is Matthew, and what are the other two? Mark and Luke. Mark and Luke fill in another kind of weed. This is the kinds of weeds that Matthew says, worries of life, deceitfulness of wealth. And then the third one comes from Mark and Luke, and the love of pleasures or things choke the word, making it unfruitful. That's the third one. And then lastly, the good one, verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil. Everybody say good soil thank you, refers to the one who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. And let's understand what that means when it says 160 or 30 times what is sown. If you guys remember, I talked a little bit about this uh, during uh, the Halloween time because my family, we got a pumpkin, we cleaned it out, we ate the seeds, we carved it. Anybody else do that? And what I did is I taught my kids as we were taking out all the seeds, I was like, you see how many seeds come in one pumpkin? So if we were pumpkin farmers, we could take and eat some of the seed and plant the rest. And next year, we would have 50 new pumpkins, right? And then 50 pumpkins producing 50 seeds, the next year, we could have 250 pumpkins. Everybody get it? So that's what it means, 160, 30 times what you've sown. When something is good and it grows right, it's going to reproduce itself. That's how God made plants 
plants and agriculture to work. And so now let's just simply look at the breakdown. It's really simple. I think we all got it, but I'll still do my job today because I love to preach. How many love preaching? Amen. You guys read your Bible and study, and I'll help preach it on Sundays. So here we go. We got the sower. Who is the sower? The sower is the preacher of the gospel. That's what Jesus is showing us, that when people go out and preach the gospel, they are like a farmer going out to throw out their seed. How many gospel preachers do I have here today? Amen. We don't just wear the shirts. We preach the shirts. We preach John 3.16. Amen. We, we use these as open doors for conversations, but we go out in this church 10 times a week preaching the gospel. 10 times. Everybody get that? So start just with us today at Sunday. There's going to be two different teams that will go, uh, two different times the teams will go out before first service and before second service. That's twice on Sunday. Then Monday, I go to Wright College from 2 to 3 o'clock and preach the gospel there. I love Wright College so much. That's our third time. Wednesday, for King's Kids, they go around the neighborhood knocking on doors and also on the west side where we pick up kids to bring them for our children's program. You know how many people were here last uh, Wednesday? Over 70 young people. Let's give it up for Jesus in the Wednesday team. Thank you. That is our fourth time. The third time is Thursdays. We go out and do gang ministry outreach. In the night, in the, the heat of the battle zones, we go out there. Then we go on Fridays three different times before the youth group to local high schools and before both adult Bible studies to the communities and parks and the grocery stores. And then we go on Saturday to, uh, to our Saturday night evangelism. And then you sprinkle in there the two youth groups that also meet at the church and the single moms group that meets at the church every other week and they go out in front of the church inviting single moms and youth. Can I get a what, what for what Jesus is doing? What, what? Take that devil. Pow, amen. That's what we're going to give the devil. So the sower is people like us. So if you're here today, you can already relate to this if you're a Christian and you're going out to our 10 times preaching the gospel. If you're not a Christian, there will be places where you can relate in just a moment. But I want to say that to the vast majority of us who already love Jesus. As you see the skit interacting today with the message, see yourself a lot in the gospel preacher. Learn how to share your faith. So that's what the sower is. The second thing that we see is that the seed is the word of God. Now, both of these remain the same in all four scenarios. The sower doesn't change, and the seed doesn't change. That means that the seed always has the power to do what it was sent out to do. If the seed doesn't grow and produce the fruit in the parable, it's not the sower's fault, and it's not the seed's fault. Does everybody get that? Because what you're going to learn is that you determine what kind of ground you are. Now, in the idea of a farmer, if I have seed, and I just start throwing it on concrete, that would be my fault. But as preachers of the gospel, we don't know what kind of hearts people have. So we go out throwing the seed everywhere we go. When I'm meeting people at Wright College, sometimes you would think like the, the little shy girl with her books, you know, and little book bag, she's going to be so nice to me. Literally, I get cussed out by them probably more than anybody else. Then you see like the tall basketball, tough-looking basketball player, whatever. That's the guy going like, yeah, pray for me, man. I need Jesus. 
Jesus. You know, it's, you can't judge books by their cover. Are you with me? So the sweet girl could give me the finger, and I literally had that happen. She goes, oh, and she cussed me out and left me and all that. And, and just big dudes are like, yeah, man, I'll pray with you. I know I need Jesus. And so we don't judge people by the outside. So we're throwing the seed. The sower never changes. The seed never changes. What does change is the fourth thing, which is the ground. The ground is what changes, and that's what Jesus wants you to focus on. Because the Word of God, the Bible says, will always do what it was sent out to do. The Word of God finds good soil, it will grow. It will transform lives. The Word of God comes with the power of God. And God's presence is always there to enact the Word of God. So whenever the Word of God is being preached, there is the power and the presence of God. Amen? And so now what we really want to focus on today are the four grounds. What makes the difference between the stone-cold, pathy heart to the one that has the good heart? How does someone start off great, as it says, with great joy, but then they have shallow heart, a shallow faith, and then problems come, and then there goes their walk with God. There goes their faith. So that's where we need to hear the message today. Can I hear an amen? And so let's look at these four types of grounds. Think about the four types of grounds and see if you can relate to them. No matter who you are today, first-time visitor or someone that's been in church a hundred times, it doesn't matter. You can now relate to one of these four grounds. The first ground is the pathy ground, the hard, unbelieving heart. And if you notice, it's because they don't understand understand what's being preached. That's what the passage says. If we look back up to this passage, it says, whoever hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away. So it's not the fault of the sower that they don't understand. It's not that the Bible can't be understood. As a matter of fact, you understand the parable about some people not understanding. Can I get an amen? If people don't understand, it's because they choose to not understand. They are purposely being ignorant, dumb on purpose. The second ground that we see is the rocky ground, that shallow, weak heart. And what you'll see, hopefully today, in the, the acting out of this is that you'll see, yes, there's great joy at first when they receive the word, but it's so shallow. And when the sun comes out, representing the problems of life, because their heart doesn't go deep enough, the sun, instead of providing growth and uh, what it needs to have its energy and to grow up as plants receive from the sun good, the sun actually destroys it. And so what we'll learn is that though our problems come and our tests come, tests should bring us testimonies. What ends up happening is that people get defeated. We'll see then the weedy heart, which is that ground sown among the weeds, and that's the sinful, distracted heart. And there's like three specific weeds that Jesus wanted to talk about. The first weed being the worries of this life. The other one, the love of money. Then the other one, the love of pleasure and things. And so if you are here today and you're saying, well, I'm not really the hard heart. I do believe in Jesus. I'm not really the shallow heart. I've been doing this for a while but I don't know if I'm always doing the right thing for God, and I can't understand why I sometimes slip up, and I guess that's kind of the weedy heart. Well, here's where you would want to pay attention, because what's happening is, as you're trying to grow up in your spiritual life, you have competing desires that are choking out what God is doing. And I feel so often for the church that I pastor and the people that I know, this is where many people find themselves. And as a matter of fact, anytime I see somebody doing great with God and they backslide, it's because they let those weeds grow up. They didn't take care of the garden of their heart. 
And you got to treat your heart like a garden. That's the illustration, that you guard your heart and you guard your garden. You guard it from foxes. You guard it from weeds. You guard it from loving money. You guard it from worrying. And I know a lot of times we think that people only go to hell for murder, rape, and all these hideous things. And that is true that, that if they don't repent, they go to hell. But you can go to hell for fear and worry. The Bible says in Revelation, but the cowardly, and then it lists a lot of other things, the unbelieving, the vile, they'll all go to the lake of fire. But the first thing it lists there is the cowardly, the ones who become so afraid to believe God actually have made their decision to disbelieve God. And so it's like, imagine you're about ready to go skydiving, and Jesus is your, your buddy. He's going to, you know, tandem dive with you. And Jesus is like, I got you. Come on, man. And at first, there's maybe like that cute little, like, girl that's there. And I don't want to say girls are not uh, less brave than guys, but follow me on this illustration. I kind of think of, like, Rachel and Ricky, my friends, in the second service. Like, you know, Rachel plays our keyboard. She went skydiving. And I could see, like, you know, she's going to be scared because everybody's going to be scared, you know, doing this the first time. And I could see, like, Rachel, like, a little scared and being like, I don't, I'm not sure. I want to do this, Jesus, you know? But Jesus is like, come on, let's do it, and jumps out. That's kind of like cute scared, you know? But then there's another kind of scared, like, I ain't doing this, Jesus. Don't you put that thing on me. I'm staying in this plane. That's sassy scared, right? Well, that's kind of how some of us are with Jesus. Like, Jesus understands it's hard for us to believe, for us to trust him, but when we live in our worries, and God's like, literally, no, Attach to me and jump out this thing. This is the only way you get saved. If you don't trust him and jump out in faith, you're going down in a crashing plane. So worries, love of money, love of pleasure. Those are the weeds the Bible says to look out for. And then lastly, we see the fruitful ground. This is the ground that is not determined based on their own good works. It doesn't say that they go out to their ground, they're so self-righteous, they memorize scripture every day, they go to church every day, and that's what makes their ground good. No, what makes their ground good, if you simply look at it here at the end, it's the one who hears the word and understands it. That's all they did. They didn't do a hundred good works. They didn't get a thousand stars next to their name. They, they weren't the pastor's favorite Bible student, whatever. No, all they did was hear it and applied their understanding to it and go, I understand, I believe. And that is what gives God the space in their heart to totally transform them and do everything that he wants to do. God could force us to go to heaven with them. And I always use that example. Jesus could be that person in that 70s, you know, Starsky and Hutch, uh, you know, TV show with that white van, you know, that working van that has no windows, it's blacked out, whatever, you know, and just pull up next to us and go, hey, hey, kids, you want to go to heaven with me? And maybe have an angel stand out in front with some candy, like, hey, kids, I got candy. Anybody want to go to heaven? And then the moment we're like, yeah, I'll take some candy. Like the angel drags us in the van, shuts the door, drives off, and Jesus is like, let's take them to heaven. You know, Jesus could do that, but he doesn't. He shows us in this parable of the different soils the different grounds that we determine our relationship with him. He's already determined what he wants to do with us by dying on the cross, by sending us the prophets and the apostles and the word of God. He showed us all that he can do without violating our free will. And so just like Jesus cannot kidnap us and bring us to heaven, the devil cannot kidnap you and bring you to hell. The devil can't make you do what you haven't decided and partnered with him to do. 
So how do you get a good heart? Do you just try say, I'm going to be good. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do all these things on my own. Join the, the good heart gym and, you know, do all the self-works that you can. Almost like changing your life is like going to a gym and lifting weights. So I'm going to start going to church and do all this. That will never save you. What saves you is faith alone in Jesus. That's what saves you and changes you. Because you're saved and changed, then you can do good works. Does everybody see the difference? Because at first, I need to receive the seed. The seed's going to bring me life. If I don't have the seed in my heart, I can't do nothing. I can't do one thing. So Jesus, plant your seed in me. I understand what you said. And so that's today's message in a nutshell. And here's a, you know, a cute little picture that I think kind of gets us ready for today's message. And if I was to ask you right now, where do you see yourself? If I was to ask you to be honest, you know, where would you put yourself right now? Are you this sassy person that somebody, you know, you were made to bring, they brought you to church, they made you come, somebody said, hey, come in here, and you're just like, I don't want this, and I don't want Jesus, and I don't believe this, and I don't understand this, and, you know, and if there's a hell, I'll go there, because I don't want to go to heaven, you know. Are you the kind of person that hears the little mopey, sad person? Well, I've tried this, and it just didn't work. It was so hard. I was excited at one time, but it didn't work. The sun was so hot. Problems, problems, problems. You know, are the other one confused and, and conflicted in your sin with all of these weeds? Or are you this happy-go-lucky person smiling as good fruit is being born into your heart? You see, that's the journey uh, that we want to take you on today. I want to start with the, the first one here with the rocky heart. And as you hear um, Jerry and Joe B. come, as you hear them describe this to you as a person is meeting an unbeliever, as, as Jerry's witnessing to him, you'll see how it kind of sets up here. I want you to see, is this me today? Am I this person? Because if you are this person, it's not God's fault that you're going to hell. It's not God's fault you don't understand. It's because there's something on the inside of you that doesn't want to understand. Are you guys ready for this? Let's give it up one good time for Jerry and Joe B. as they come. The parable of the sower. Hey, man. Hey, man. Oh, uh, hey. Hi, my hey. name's Jerry. Oh, hey, I'm um, Joe. I'm talking to people about Jesus today. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, you, you believe in Jesus? No, nah, listen, you're wasting your time. on I'm an atheist, so just, yeah. Okay. Well, wait, wait, wait. Well, what do you believe? Okay, well, uh, if you want to know, I, I believe in science, okay? So, oh, awesome. Because yeah. I believe in science, too. But I believe in science and God. Like, yeah, do you yeah. believe that no, they no. don't have to be, they have to be separate? No, that's, that's nonsense. That's nonsense? No, that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean? I believe in evolution, okay? So okay. your God and evolution, it, they're just not compatible. So, you know, you might as well talk to someone that needs it, okay? Wait, wait, wait. So evolution, like like the zoo or from the goo to the zoo to you and, and that I mean, you came from a monkey. It's much more difficult than that, okay? It's okay. not as simple as you, uh, you people make it seem. There's evidence. There's... There's all types of uh, empirical evidence that you need to understand. Oh, you you so, should understand this stuff. Well, I mean, the one thing I have an issue with, because I believe in creation. Oh, yeah, I believe that God... You're one of those people, I see. I am one of those okay. people. I love Jesus, man. And uh, I believe that God created all things. Yeah. And the thing with evolution is, like, why aren't apes still becoming people? Because, okay, yeah, like, yeah. There's a, there's a, okay, I see where you're coming with this. But you said you believe in Jesus, right? Yeah. I saw some all-powerful, all-good, loving. All-loving. Yeah, yo, whatever. Yeah. 
that doesn't make any sense. Where's your God if there's a homeless man across the street where I'm living? If my mother died, where's your God? Where all the suffering is happening in the Middle the East? He's been there the whole time. I don't see him. He's where, been where there is the he? whole time. But you see, the problem is, is with the with the sickness and the suffering is because sin came into the world. The reason that people treat other people bad is because they have a free will choice. Don't you believe you have free will? No, I believe we're just chemicals reacting, and we're just automatically living this life. There's really no purpose. You know, I can see you're a good person, right? Okay. But listen, sin is something that we just make up, Okay. Sin is just something we make up. No. You yeah. see, that the, the Bible actually talks about that there's a, the sin that came into the world. And the problem is, is you have a problem with evil. I have a problem with evil, but where do you get your morality from? Listen, I see what you're saying right now, but you have to understand that you're coming from something that's not even real. God doesn't exist. Can you prove your brain exists? Uh, it's there, okay? I'm thinking right now. You can't see it. Listen, all right, Jerry, right? Yeah, I'm Jerry. Listen, I, I appreciate your time, but you're wasting it, okay? God is not real. I, I am going to live my life teaching whatever uh, generation comes after me. You know, I see you, you have a, a good heart, right? You're a good person. I'm a good person. You know, I do what I have to do. But see, the difference is, is that you're not, you're not guaranteed a tomorrow. You're not guaranteed an eternal life in, with Jesus. <laughs> it doesn't but, matter. But let me tell you this. Before, before you go, before whatever you think, it's that Jesus did come. He was in the grave for three days. He resurrected. He rose again to save you, to give you an eternal life. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. All right, yeah, cool. Now, nice to meet you, okay? Nice to yeah, meet you. Yeah, you have a good day. All right, let's give it up for him. Come on. Good job, how many have ever had a conversation like that before with somebody? How many may even have a conversation like that with somebody at this Thanksgiving dinner, you know? You know, those kind of people are not wanting to understand. Notice the difference of what Jesus said in his parable. It's not that they can't understand, they don't want to understand. So let's go through some of these just real quick to where I see those hard-hearted people are at. So the first thing is they say it's something like, I don't believe in God, I can't see God. And I know Jerry said, well, you don't see your brain. I think what she meant to say is your mind. A brain is an organ. Thank you, sir. We'll actually just leave it there. I love you. Let's give it up for my man, Nahum. Love you. It's a little different of a day today. I'm going to be a little thespian, too, up here doing my thing. That word just throws so many of us off. I'm going to be an actor up here today. Okay, but watch. What she was saying is you don't see your mind. We see an organ called a brain, but we don't see our thoughts and feelings and emotions. If you put that brain in a jar, does that encompass all of who you are? If I put your heart in a jar, does that encompass who you are? Why are we so different than just these physical organs? Why does it seem like we're actually spiritual, that we're more than physical? And that's something that they don't want to understand. If they really believed, if they really believed we're nothing but chemicals, then they would know that all they're doing is what their chemical made them do. So if your chemical right now is telling you there's no God, that's not because there's not a God. That's just because the chemical is telling you there's no God. And then if they say, no, I really think there's no God. No, that's the chemical telling you to tell me there's no God. Well, I'm getting upset with you because you keep telling me all I have is chemicals. No, that's the chemicals telling you to get upset with me because all you think is your chemicals. Do you understand if all you think is, is that your brain fizz? Think about when you open up a can of pop. It fizzes, right? Is that all that's going on in your brain? 
Is that all love is? It's just chemicals? Is all you're thinking? No, you know you're more than that. And so what we want to help them do is understand that they're already living in a world where they're assuming a bunch of things that they have no explanation for, but they don't want the understanding. So they're assuming that they're actually in a world. There's no way to prove that. They could be a brain in a scientist's jar, and the scientist is messing with them, making them think they're in a virtual reality like the Matrix called planet Earth. And every time they think how crazy that idea is, the scientist just taps their brain and goes, that's just crazy to make you think that you're in a brain uh, in a vat in a jar. But you're really a brain in a vat in a jar right now. And then he has them make little crazy faces when they're in church. That when the pastor says that they're in a brain in a vat in a jar, and they look at their pastor like this, and he goes, do that, you know? But you see, what, what that problem is, is they can't explain reality. They can't explain it. Now, when the preacher gives them the foundation that if you're believing in evolution, then that means you have to believe that animals turned into you. Why is that not continuing? Why don't we, don't, why don't we have those fossil records to prove that? Why is it we still see that the categories of animals have remained almost untouched over billions of years? As a matter of fact, there are many living dinosaurs right now. Did you know that? You can Google it right now. Living dinosaurs. Guess what was one of the most popular living dinosaurs right now where I used to live? Alligators. Look it up right now. Is an alligator a living dinosaur? It is. It's a living dinosaur. It is no different than any dinosaur that used to walk this earth. And it's exactly the same. And so the evolutionist has a problem now. Well, we thought these were only supposed to live at this time, but yet there's still some alive. Well, how do we explain all of this? Sharks are also living dinosaurs. There's species of sharks that have been around as long as dinosaurs have been around. And, and we have to try to explain away these things, or the, the world tries to explain them away, where the Christian says, God made everything good to re reproduce after its kind. And that's why we still as humans make humans, dogs make dogs. And yeah, there may be variation, speciation, some changes. A poodle's not a German shepherd. How many would rather have a Rottweiler than a poodle? Anybody? Oh, you guys are a bunch of city folks wanting poodles? No. How many know if we put a poodle out in the wild, it wouldn't survive very long, right? If, you know, if anything like The Walking Dead ever happened, those things would be our dinner first. First and foremost, if we ever had to have prepper stuff happen, you know, those dogs look so good, they will be so tasty. And everybody's like, Pastor, stop that. Let's move on. And another thing that they, another thing that he brought up, or that she brought up, was this idea of evil. How many have ever heard people say, well, if God's good, why is there so much bad stuff, right? Well, once again, isn't the problem of evil that they can't understand, or is it the problem of evil they don't want to understand? See, the Christian doesn't have a problem with evil. We answer it very simple. God made everything good. We sinned. There's the problem. There's the problem. But if you're an atheist and you don't believe in God, you have a problem with, with evil that you can't solve. First of all, explain what is good and evil without a standard of morality. So imagine if today we were going to go build a house. Uh, one of the first things we would have to agree upon is are we going to be using the metric system or the system that we use here in America with yards and foot? If we do not use the same standard of measuring, we will measure out different lengths of things. Now let me ask you a question. What is better, a yardstick or a metric stick? What's better, a meter or a yard? Now, some of you who like European ways and you're really cool and you're hipsters, you're like, the metric is better. The meter is better. It's better than the yard. I don't like the yard. Well, how do you know? How do you know? Which one is better? You will never have a way of deciding which one is better unless you have a standard by which you measure them all by. 
So otherwise, it's just personal preference. Well, I prefer using inches and feet and yards. Then another person says, well, I prefer using centimeters, meters, etc." Well, is that the way morality is? Because if you don't have God, one person says, I don't like Hitler. I like Mother Teresa. Well, where's the standard? Maybe it goes the other way. Maybe Hitler is the best among us because he did so much for the German people, and actually, Mother Teresa is the worst among us because all she's doing is helping dying and sick people. We should just let them die anyway. Does everybody get it? Another way to look at it, this, is without a standard, you can't know whether or not something is straight, like a telephone pole. When you look at a telephone pole, is it straight? Well, I don't know. How would you know? You have to get out one of those tools that show you what level is. Otherwise, somebody goes, well, I think it's kind of straight. But then you look at another one a few feet down, and you're like, well, it's kind of different from that one. And then all you're doing is framing opinions by the culture or the surrounding area. See, that's the problem that people have without knowledge of God, is they're trying to frame their opinions by each other and decide what's straight and crooked, bad and good, but they never can. It's the Christian who says, this is the level. Everything off of this is crooked. So there's no problem with evil for the Christian. Now, once again, do you find yourself in this place? Because if you do, you're not there because God is complicated. You're not there because something about the Bible is really hard to understand. No, you're there for one reason, one reason only. You don't want to understand. You don't want to understand how God created everything. Nothing produces nothing. Do you think nothing can ever produce something? No, Something produces something. So God created us. God gave us a mind. You're more than just chemicals. And he also told us about morality. And if we look to our morality, the conscience we have inside of us, how do you think we're doing? We're not doing too good even by our own standards. Am I right? Even by your own standards, haven't you kind of failed a bunch? Don't you look at yourself a whole bunch of times at the end of the day and go, man, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I treat that person that way? I mean, if you have a conscience, don't you feel quite often that you're doing it wrong? So that's the gospel. That's the beginning stage that now says you need a Savior because the God who created us understands what's broken, understands the problem of evil, and he knows how to fix it. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Your sins deserve death, hell, and judgment. Jesus took it there. That's why he's getting punished, not because he was a bad person or just a brave person like Braveheart dying for his country. He is there as a sacrifice, as a substitute for your sins. And sacrifice was taught to Moses in the Old Testament, and Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice now. And so all those who can understand I'm a creation of a creator who has sinned against my creator, but thanks be to God, Jesus has died for all of my sins. I accept and believe you'll be saved. You put your big old butt in the way, you'll go to hell. But, Pastor, I don't got more questions. But, Pastor, I don't know about all. But, 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 okay. Now, God is patience, which God is like, like, um, like Jenny Craig. He's patient with your big old butt. But he doesn't want you to stay that way. Get rid of your butts. Apply your understanding to the gospel and be saved. Can I get an Amen. 
So now we need to move on to the next one. How many are ready for the next one right here? Are you having a good time? The next thing that we see here is that, uh, if I get it up here, gentlemen, please help me out, is that we see the shallow ground. The shallow ground. See if you can. No, no, don't, don't do that. I got it. Thank you, sir. I'll take it from here. Thank you. The next one that we see here is the shallow ground. That shallow ground represents the person who gets so excited about living for Jesus, but then instantly turns their back on God when problems come. Have you ever felt that way before? See if you find yourself in this scenario. Let's give it up for Jerry and Joe B. Hey, how's it going? Oh, hey. Hey. Hi. Um, I'm talking to people about Jesus. Oh, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know Jesus? Yeah, yeah, I know Jesus. I know yeah. about him, yeah. You know about him? Like, yeah. Like how? Well, I mean, uh, when I was younger, I was in the church. Mm -hmm. like, most of the week, you know, I was doing all this stuff uh, for the church, stacking chairs, you know, I, I'd take part in their prayer meetings and stuff like that, read the Bible here and there, you know, it was, it was pretty fun, I had a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, but are you living for him now? Uh, well, you know, I just, it, it, I kind of grew out of it a little bit, you know, I, like I said, I was younger, uh, things happened, I had to, you know, find my own path, really. Well, what path is that? Um, really, I'm, I'm still f trying to find it. Uh, so you, you're not living for Jesus anymore? Um, you know, so, so when I was there, just uh, I, I kind of had a lot of things going on. And, mm -hmm. you know, they kept talking about, you know, that, you know, things that were sin. And these things that were sin were, were just, there's something I liked, you know. I, I liked to do the things they said I couldn't do. And it made me feel bad about myself sometimes. But then, listen, in high school, I got into uh so certain other religions, right, that made me feel better about myself, you know, and I, I was able to find myself uh, in their religions, you know what I'm saying? Not to say Jesus is bad, no, but I just feel like there's other kind of ways to live. So spiritual, but not really living for, for Jesus anymore, like you lost sight of I, the truth? Well, no, that, there's probably other ways to say there's a truth, you know? Well, you know what Jesus said. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father but through me. Yeah, well, And so it's not many ways to God. There's only one way. You know, like there's a lot of, a lot of things spiritually that are going on in the world and, and different people who believe different things, you know, and I'm sure it sounds good, but really in reality, it's none of them can give you a savior. No one can give you eternal life. I, I get you with that, and, you know, I've heard it before, you know, so, but... For me right now, you know, I want to feel better about myself. I want to feel like I actually, you know, have something good going on. And I, I just don't think that at the time Jesus was giving that to me. And I couldn't really believe well, it as much as I could. Well, that's because your faith wasn't rooted in relationship. It, do you mean? have a, did you have a relationship yeah, with Jesus? Yeah, I told you. I went to church like five times a week. It, I was there all the time. But if you stand in a garage, does that make you a car? No, of course well, not. if you go to a burger shack, does that make you a cheeseburger? Uh, no. Well, just going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Well, I mean, I was there. I said the prayers and stuff like that. It, but don't I you don't know that, you get... that it's not about what you do and what you don't do? Like, yes, you need to live out your faith, but you've got to have that relationship first to change you on the inside. Well, I mean, Jerry, right? Yeah. I, I just, it was hard for me to build up this faith in a God that I really couldn't see if, you know, 
I mean, I can't see him. How am I supposed to have some type of relationship like you're saying? Like, what, what is We this? have a relationship with him through his word, through prayer, through the meeting with other people, you know, having somebody invest in your life, like teaching you about the things of God. Well, Jerry, what is that going to do for me? Because, you know, I tried the church thing, like I said, you know, I, 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 w I was having so much fun, but after a while, it was just like things just started hitting me. I started getting depressed, and I needed to feel happy some way. And when I take parts of like Buddhism, you know, Hinduism, and even just self-help things, it makes me feel like a better person. And I'm doing good things in the world too. So I don't, I don't get what's the problem here. Well, don't you know that faith without deeds is dead? And that, and that Jesus came to give you a life so that you could have it fully. Like these things are only temporary solutions for a long-term problem. The well, sin issue will always be the issue. Yeah, and, and, and sin itself, you know, I, I just... I, I can't believe that I can stop doing what I naturally want to do. Like, that's just too much for me. Well, that's when you gotta, you got to die to your flesh. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? The, the flesh, like, like the things you want to do, the Bible tells us to surrender those things. Yeah. But it says, like, the flesh just wants what it wants. Like, you just want what you want, but, but you got to go deeper. you got to find that relationship with the Lord. I just can't do that. I, I tried that already. It just wasn't for me. It, it could work for you, but right now I'm trying to find my own path, trying to find my own life, and this is what's helping me. So if this helps you, you know, all right, that's cool for you, but I tried that stuff. Sorry. Well, I'll be praying for you. All right, Jerry. All right, let's give it up for Jerry and Joby. Bringing it. Love it. Such a good job. You know, when we think about what gets us to doubt God, it's really not the problems out there. It's the problems in here. And the thing that Jesus is teaching us here is the reason why this plant dies is because instead of receiving nourishment from the sun, it actually gets killed by the sun. And I can remember when I first got saved, I got hit with a lot of problems in my life. You know, I felt like I wasn't good enough compared to other church people. I started losing my friends. So Christianity didn't really, like, give me, like, the lottery ticket. I didn't, like, all of a sudden get a bunch of cool things, as a lot of people think is going to happen when they become a Christian. Actually, a lot of bad things started happening to me. I started losing a lot of friends. I ended up getting fired from my job. Uh, I started noticing as I lived with my parents now, I was in conflict with them all the time. And before, I'd lived on my own. Well, guess what was really happening through those problems? God was showing me that he wanted me to change and to die to myself and live for him. The problems were actually there to strengthen my faith. So when I went back and looked at the friends I was losing and was honest with myself, I was like, these were really not good friends. I need to leave these friends and find new friends. And so as I took that test head on, it became a testimony because I got a bunch of new friends. And then I began to see with my mom, the problem wasn't my mom. The problem was me, and I had been a rebellious kid, and I hadn't learned to listen and obey. And so now I was an 18-year-old kid, high school dropout, used to selling drugs and doing whatever I wanted, partying all night. I needed to learn to come home and obey a curfew. And by learning that lesson, that prepared me for college. And all of those tests that I went through became testimonies. But how often do you know people in your life and those in this church who quit at the brink of their miracle? Instead of going through the test and Instead of letting, uh, you know, letting it change them and let God do great things in their life, they just give up, and then they find something else that they think works better. They think, like, the, like, like Joby was saying, well, I, I do meditation, or I hang out with my friends, or I party, and a lot of like the same-sex homosexuality stuff is 
popular right now. It's like, you know, I agree with them more on this, and I find more understanding from them. You know, I came to church, and they made me feel bad because I was living with my girlfriend or boyfriend, or, I, you know, I was a lesbian. And so they find that acceptance somewhere else, but it's really a false acceptance. It's not true love. If I really love you, I'm going to tell you what sin is. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to hate you and push you down and say God doesn't love you. No, God loves the gay community. God loves those who live together before they're married. But God loves you too much to let you stay that way. God wants to change you. And so if you find yourself here, this is what you need to do. Ask yourself what has changed. If at first Jesus was sweet to you, the gospel was great news to you, the Bible was wonderful to read, you loved coming to church, and now these things bother you, having accountability, discipleship, going to life groups, they bother you, and you're finding yourself being attracted to worldly things, ask yourself what has changed. Maybe your foundation, your soil has changed and you're becoming very shallow. And now instead of being a disciple, you're a consumer. Christianity to you is what can I get out of it at the cheapest cost? You know, the reason why I go to all these is not, and not jewels is because I can save some money. Hey, I ain't got no shame in the game. I go to all these all the time. And people ask me, like, they're like, well, aren't you concerned? Because I think one time they found horse meat in their ground beef. And I was like, no, I'm not concerned. That's why I love that meat. Whatever they're putting in there, keep putting it in there. I'm all good with it, man. I'm like, there is no shame in the game. I, check, I can wish I could check in on there. Every time I go to Facebook, I'm here, you know. And... Um, but why do I do that? Because I'm a consumer. I'm looking at the price. I don't need, I don't need lucky charms. I'll take like, you know, like happy charms. What's it called? Marshmallow star. Yay. I'll give it up for Aldi. I love that you know that. That's so true. Give me the marshmallow stars because there's no difference in the brand. What's the, there's no difference. Now, my friend over here, my single friend with no kids, no wife, he took me to Jewel because, you know, we got to bless the guest speaker when they come. We're like, brother, let's go out shopping for you. And he's like, and I'm like, let's go to Aldi's. And he's like, no, man, I go to Jewel, man. I got to get my name brand stuff. All single for himself, living like that, living large, making it rain money wherever he can. That's what single people do. They just make it rain money. And no joke, we got this bag of apples, and even the woman ringing it up, like, did it like two times. And she's like, really? $20? $20 for a bag of apples. And I'm like, what you think about a $20 bag of apples? But he still like them. But I can go to all these for $20. I could buy the whole entire market section. I'd be like, man, wheel this whole thing out the door for me. This, here's 20 bucks. I own this right here. I own all the, this part here. But that's how people think when they stuck on that way. They're stuck on that way. But consumers are smart. But when we come to church, it's like a lot of times we're thinking like that. Well, God, I want heaven. So what's the least I got to do to go to heaven? What's the least I got to do? And then the moment we're doing the least we have to do for Jesus and problems come and all of these pressures, we wonder why we quit so easy. It's because we didn't want to do it God's way. God said, whoever comes after me, deny yourself. That's what Jesus said. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Can I get an amen for that? I know we're running a little late today, but Brandon sang too long. We'll blame it on him. Half kid. Brandon, we love you so much. Let me get this next one up here. Let's look at the weeds. You know, the weeds... It's where I said it at the beginning, I think a lot of our church can fall into because so often we can look like we're doing good. We're not hard-hearted and we're not shallow. 
We're actually sitting in the chairs right now, right? Laughing at the jokes, clapping our hands, amen, in the preacher. But secretly on the inside, if we're not careful, things start to grow up in our lives. And an affair doesn't happen overnight, y'all. An affair happens over time. First, with a man being dissatisfied with his wife. I could do better than this. Man, maybe I shouldn't have married her. Time goes on. The man starts to look at pornography. Well, she doesn't really make me that happy anyway, so it's not really cheating. A little bit more time goes on. Well, I like this secretary, this co-worker, this, well, this female at the gym that I see. A little bit more time goes on. Well, it won't hurt anybody. I don't talk to my wife. We don't have sex anymore. And so six months later, the man finds himself in a hotel. How did he get there? Because those weeds started six months ago in his thought life or her thought life and just started growing up just like a weed. Look at Jesus. He is so smart, just like a weed. You don't see it coming until it's already there, and then it becomes a problem. And if you don't deal with weeds, what happens? They get stronger and bigger, and they will ruin your whole garden. They will ruin crops. That's why they have all those pesticides and to do all that. And I'm afraid that many of our people in this church aren't aware that there's some weeds in your heart. And God says, man, get those out because those can be trouble. They look like they're just cute little dandelions, but after a while, they can mess you up. Let's give it up for Joe B. as they come with Jerry. Hey, Joe. Oh, hey, Jerry. Hey. Oh, haven't seen you in a while. Oh, yeah. You know, I just uh, a little weighed down with life right now. Yeah? Yeah. Like what? Like well, what's going I, I on? I don't know if you heard, but my uh, my mom, she got cancer, so she's at home taking care of her. I heard about that. We've and been then praying for because her. Because she's not able to work, I got to work twice as much. So, you know, there's that. Well, it's how's not... your relationship with God? I mean, I know we've been praying for your mom, uh, but but we're praying for you too. So, like, what's what's your uh, what's your walk with Jesus right now? Come on, Jerry. You know, I'm good, okay? God got me. You know, I'm covered by his grace. You know, he, he's with me. So it's all good. It's all good, like... But what's going on in your heart? Like, well, there's nothing going like on. Like, you still live in holy? You still Jerry, live and set apart? Jerry, listen, <laughs> just because I haven't been to church in a few weeks, okay, does not mean that I'm all of a sudden, you know, going crazy. I just, I told you, I, I've been working a lot. I work six days a week now. The only day I have off is Sunday. I, I need some time to rest. And I have to take care of my mom as well. I mean... <laughs> but don't you know that times of refreshing come from the Lord and being part of the body is part of, like... You can't abstain from, from being with the body of, of Christ. That's what refreshes you. Well, you know, I, I hang out with some of the dudes from my work after, you know, at the bar when we're, when we're done. The They're Christian. They, they know the truth. Well, like, you're going to the bar. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, is it one of those things like, okay, I'm chilling, I'm having a beer, but, or is it like, I'm, I'm woo, we're tossing it back. <laughs> Sometimes I slip up. There's really, it, it happens. That's why God's grace is so good, you know. If, if I slip up, he's there for me to catch me. So, you know, sometimes I'm not going to lie. I might drink a little bit too much. But, you know, God is still good and he still loves me. But you know that God doesn't have greasy grace, right? Like, it's not like Jerry I just Jane. go walking into sin and just like, oh, sorry. Like, sorry, God, I won't do that again. Why are you pointing out my, my problems, okay? I don't, I don't really need this. Well, what I'm trying to tell you is that that God's grace is sufficient when we fall and that it's sufficient for me. Like, I am not living, I am not a sinner just living in sin, just willingly going into my sin. It's like, 
I'm sorry, God. I made a mistake, and I'm not going to do it again. I, I'm trying my hardest, Jay. What are you doing? Why are you putting me down like this? I'm trying my hardest. I'm not putting it's you down. It's just that sometimes temptation is just too much for me, well, and I have to do it. It's, it's literally super hard. I can't. I, I know you, you act like you're some perfect person. I'm not perfect. But I'm, listen, I, I, I hear what you're saying, okay, that I should be to church. I should go to church more, but right now I, I have to make money to provide for my mom, I have school loans to pay off still. You should understand this stuff. Why are, you, why are you getting all on me? Like, this isn't right. Because it seems like you just haven't been accountable lately. Like, have, when was the last time you met with your 101-er to talk about these things? Because I'm sure he wants to see you at life group and doing, doing the things and living for Jesus. I, Jerry, I don't know if you're hearing me. I don't have time for that. You know, I'll text him here and there, but I don't have time to meet with someone once or twice a week when I'm working six days a week I have to make money like I don't think you get this I, I God's not just gonna magically make it rain money on my problems I need to do stuff this is what this is what's going on this is real okay? but you know what the word of God says was that if you put if you seek his kingdom and his righteousness all these things are added unto you I, he's there he, you think he doesn't stuff. care about your problems I, I know he cares I'm just telling you like if I just sit doing nothing nothing's gonna be done that's it. Well, I understand you don't want to be lazy, but it's just like, what about your relationship? Like, are you still living holy? Are you keeping it pure? You know, there's just some times where I don't feel like living holy. I feel like doing what I want to do. But you say that you still love Jesus. Well, I love Jesus. It's just there's other things that are going on that have my attention at times, but I, I don't love those things. They just happen. But that's know? what seems to be like you're making that the priority. I'm not making it a priority. Jerry, I, I just struggle sometimes. I mean, I would, I would talk but to you. But that's why you have that accountability. That's why you have that person in your life. I like, you just got to continue to live for Jesus even through the tough stuff. And I talk to the people at my work. I don't have to be accountable with everyone at church. Like, what is this? I'm going to talk to the people at my work. They have my back. They know Jesus, like I said. I don't get They're living what, holy and hold, making you accountable I mean, to live my, holy? That's not my right to judge. It's not my right to judge. I, their walk is their walk. My walk is my walk. And Jerry, you have your own walk. You have your own issues. The thing is, is I go to God, and I have accountability in my life. But like your relationship, you know, you just kind of skirt around that and don't want to talk about it. But I'm not saying you have to talk about it with me, but there's somebody in your life you should be talking to it about. I don't need it. To, I, like you said, I go to God, too. I'll pray. I, I still pray, Jerry. I pray every day before I wake up. But see, uh, like, if you're continually sleep. living in sin, then the truth isn't in you. Jerry, I'm saved, okay? There's no need to worry about this. I, I will get good eventually. I just need some time to work on myself. You know, I, I'm pretty sure God is with me as I'm working. I want to show I'm you this. This is what the Word of God said. First John 2, 3, and 4 says, We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. Jerry, are you calling me a liar? Are you <laughs> questioning myself? Listen, this isn't your right to judge. It's none of your business, okay? I do what I want to do, and if God doesn't ha has a problem with that, listen, I'll face him, okay? I'll face him. Dude, I just have a lot of I things love going you, on in my life. And I care about you, which is why I bring these things to you. All right, yeah. If I didn't care, I wouldn't say anything. All right, whatever, Jerry. I, I see you mean well, but listen, I, I just want to do what I want to do right now. You, you just focus on yourself, okay? Ooh, give it up for these guys. Woo! 
You know when you think about how you deal with people on that level, if you've ever preached, you know that's real. And if you are here today and you are living off those excuses, your time is up. We got your number, baby. Because I'm telling you, all the things that Jerry was saying is true in the Word of God. The biggest lies that we tell the most are to ourselves. It's so easy to think we're doing okay when we compare ourselves to the guys at work, right? Because they tell dirty jokes too. Or they live with their boyfriend too, right ladies? And it's so easy to think you're good because you're comparing yourself to somebody else. When I used to live in the South, I would take these trips down to go fishing at Grand Isle and they let their yards go crazy. I had never seen people be more meticulous about their yard until I moved into like a Polish neighborhood here in Chicago where literally this lady came out with scissors, scissors, cutting the edges of her grass and she has about this much grass as much as i have right up here but people in the south they have acres and it is going wild it is going crazy but listen they think it's normal because nobody is next to them manicuring their lawn and when you keep comparing your messy life to messy people you don't think there's a problem with your weeds but Jesus says, I don't compare you to Hitler. I don't compare you to Jay-Z, Little Wayne, or Donald Trump, or Hillary Clinton. I'm comparing you to my son. And you've got weeds in your garden. And how often, when we look at those weeds, what do we say to ourselves when we're honest? I'm not talking about when we're arguing, but when we're honest, what do we say? I'll get to that later. Man, I'll do that later. I walk by my house every time when I see these weeds right there, and I'm like, man, they're not so bad. I'll get to them later. That was in June. Around August, they took over our plants. You know what I'm talking about. They took over our plants. I'm like, oh, I'll get to that in a little bit. That is kind of crazy. My mother comes, picks them out herself because she feels bad for us, and then they grow back again in September. And I'm like, oh, they're not so bad. I'll wait till they get longer because, you know, if they're little, they're hard to get. You know, when they're bigger, it's like you can just grab them. And then, literally, it got to now be the fall. Now, like, I was like, man, the weather will kill them. They'll be all right. This'll, they'll die on their own. I don't even care about this. Isn't that what we do all the time in our own lives? Man, I'll take care of this later. I'll take care of this relationship that I'm in later. I'll, I'll take care of my worries later. You know, and there's real problems that we get worried about. And we know we should come to church and pray and do it right. But we say, I'll take care of it later. And then what begins to happen is they get bigger and bigger. And before we know it, our heart gets hard before God. Let's go into this last one right here, the good heart. How many are ready for the good heart? Amen. The fruitful heart, the one that bears fruit, the one that all of us should be. And let me say this before they come up. No matter where you started off today, you can end here right now. You can be this heart today. You can have a soft heart before God. And before you leave out, pray and just say, Jesus, forgive me, change me. Get out all the weeds. Soften my heart with your Holy Spirit like rain on me. Dig it deep so I can have good soil. You can change. God will change you up in this place. Can I get an amen? Let's give it up for Jerry and Joe B. one more time. Thank you. I got some good news for you. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> what? Jesus loves you, and he came, and he died, and he rose again so that you could have a life with him. What do you think about that? Uh, that's a lot. I've never heard that before. <laughs> you never heard that before? Like, not in your whole life? No, I've just heard, like, 
you know, some communion stuff. You know, I heard Jesus was like a God or something. Well, he's the son of God, but he is God. Okay. Does that just blow your mind? Yeah, that's like some crazy stuff. What? <laughs> what? Okay, so this is it. God sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. Okay. So basically what this means is God sent his son because we fell. Do you ever hear of Adam and Eve? Yeah. I, I, hear about a garden? Yeah, yeah. I heard about that, yeah. He eats the apple or the, the piece of fruit. Okay, yeah. It's, it's, I, I Coming back? From, yeah, like from when I was little and I went to like Sunday school, whatever, yeah, yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. So that's basically the Sunday school lesson is yeah. there were two people in this garden. They ate forbidden fruit and then forever sin separated them from a holy God, the okay. God who created us. All right. So if you think about it, think of a brick wall. Yeah. And if there's a brick wall between you and me, we can't communicate, correct? Mm, no. <laughs> but if you remove the wall, then we can dialogue. Yeah. Well, what happened was when they sinned, they put this wall, this barrier between God and man for eternity. But God in his goodness said, you know what? I'm going to come and I'm going to die so I can remove the wall so that I can participate in a relationship with my people that I created for the rest of time. Wow. That if they die, they still live. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. What? Wow. It's... Do you believe that Jesus came and died for you? I mean, that, that sounds amazing. Like, I mean, I, did... I, I've heard that, and I, you know, I've never heard it like that. But when you put it to, uh, in that way, you know, that, that God loves us. You know, I, I've never heard that God loves us. You know, it's always been like, you know, just be a good person, be a bad person, don't be a bad person. And, you know, throughout my life, you know, I've just tried to live by that. But I never knew that God loved me. God loves you. He loves me. He loves every person. But the cool part about God is that he's a relational God. So he doesn't just want to hang out with you like twice a year. He doesn't want to just have a monthly relationship or even a weekly relationship. He wants a daily relationship. But it's your sin personally that will prevent you from ever entering in God's, God's grace where you get to live with him forever. That's amazing. <laughs> that makes more sense than, than what I thought before. Like, I didn't know what to do with my life. Yeah, did you ever feel like, man, there's some things in my life that I want to get right, but I just don't know how, so I keep, so you keep redoing the same things over and over? Yeah, that's pretty much the story of my life. You know, I've been trying to get right. You know, I, I have certain problems with me, like addictions, and, and I, it's like every time I do it, you know, I just feel horrible, but I don't know what to do with that feeling. I don't know what to do, well, to change me, you know? I, I don't know what to do. Let me tell you this. God can set you free today. You just got to repent of those sins. Surrender your life to God and ask him to be the Lord of your life. And then Jesus over and over and over told people he would heal them first. And then he would say, you know, your faith has made you well. Go and sin no more. You don't need to keep going on in your sin. You just, you repent, you surrender, and you move forward with Jesus. Would you like to do that today? That's all I want to do right now. Thank you. Let's pray. Will you repeat after me? Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. I believe that you're the God. I believe that you are the God. 
that came and died for me. That came and died for me. I repent of my sins. I repent of my sins. And I just ask you to come and be the Lord of my life. And I just ask you to come and be the Lord of my life. I surrender this to you. I surrender this to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I just want to tell you guys about the good harvest that God has done in my life ever since I received him as my Lord and Savior and repented of my sins. Uh, I grew up in church. You know, I was pretty much raised up uh, to believe in Jesus Christ. But, uh, you know, just like many of the, the, the grounds in here that we covered, things happened, life happened. My mother passed away. She was almost like a rock in my life and in my faith. So I remember just going through high school, and it's almost crazy to think about it now, but going through high school just, uh, just plagued with depression. Uh, I didn't know if I had any real friends. I didn't know if there was anyone really that, that cared, you know, and I was, con I was conscious about it, and I was insecure, and I had con You can name how many things were wrong with my mind and my heart, and uh, I just didn't know where to turn. And I, I, when I had thought about God, I just thought about hell because I knew that someday I was going to get there. And I remember uh, just two years ago, um, I, I started coming to Metro. I was there for a while. I was very stubborn. I did not want to know the truth. I didn't want to hear it. Uh, but, you know, I, I genuinely wanted Jesus. I was tired of the way I was living. I was tired of uh, not, not having joy, you know. And I was tired of these sins that were choking at my heart, choking at my life. And I wanted to be set free. And I remember two years ago, we had a, a Filipino pastor, Ray. Uh, he's an awesome man of God. And it, we were talking about surrender. And that day, I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I never felt freedom like that before. And, you know, now it's like, you know, I'm, con I'm so much different than I was before. I have uh, so much more joy. I have peace. You know, at times when I would be depressed, you know, I didn't know what to do with that depression. But now I know that I give it to God because God, God is not a God who's far away. He's a God who's near. And he is a friend to you if you want him to be your friend. So, you know, I would just encourage you uh, all, if, no matter where you're at, no matter if you are, you know, the, the rocky place or you are the place with the vines, no matter what ground you are, like Pastor Joe was saying earlier today, you could have, you could bear fruit in your life and God could do amazing things in your life and he can do things that you can't even imagine. You just have to give him a chance. You have to repent of your sins. You got to believe in him. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. Man, give it up for Jesus. Let's stand up and have the band come, please. And you guys can remove this pulpit for me. Thank you guys for staying a little bit later. Altar workers, would you come with the band, please? I want to close out today just asking you right now, what kind of heart do you have? What kind of heart is on the inside of you right now? Do you have the kind of heart that's been hard and sassy towards God, really not wanting to believe because you claim you can't understand, but it's really you don't want to because you don't like what you hear? I think about my children all the time. You know, I'll say to them, we are not going to Chuck E. Cheese today. What? No, no, listen. We're not going to Chuck E. Cheese. Can we go later? No, we're not going to Chuck E. Cheese at all today. What if we ask you later? No, we're not going. And so we know what I had to do with my kids, and I give this to parents as a great learning uh, ability with them. I always say back to them now, do you understand? And they, when I get to that point in my conversation with them, they then have to repeat back to me, yes, Daddy, I understand. But why is it there's that confusion? It's they don't want to understand at those times. So if you're here today, don't make that excuse. You can understand. 
you can. Number two, if you're here and you feel like, man, I've tried Jesus and it's been hard. Maybe you came back today for whatever reason, a Facebook ad, or just wanted to give it another shot. Listen, you can have a deep walk with God just like everybody up here. Every leader, myself, you can do it. It's not like I'm better than you. It's not like we're more qualified than you. Only difference is, is we let God have all of us. We didn't keep it shallow with Him. We faced problems too. We just didn't want to give up because we knew there was nowhere else to go behind us. The journey was better ahead of us. If you're here today and you got weeds in your heart, worries, pleasures, you love stuff that the world does, and the Bible calls it sin, ask the Lord to get those weeds out of your life today so that every single one of us, every one of us, literally, look up at me please, por favor, every one of us can leave out here producing good fruit for Jesus. Every single one of us. We're going to first pray on our own. And then if you need extra prayer, you can come up for our prayer workers to pray with you because we don't want you to feel alone. But right now, let's just close our eyes. Think about our walk with the Lord. Ask Jesus right now to show you your heart. What heart do you have right now? Ask the Lord to show you. And if you're any one of the hearts, those three that need to change, ask Him to change you right now. Right now, between you and Jesus, before one person prays for you, before we sing another song, you talk to Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. You talk to the Lord right now. Come on. A few moments before we leave. If your heart is hard, say, Jesus, change my hard heart. Jesus, Jesus, change hearts today. Change hearts today. If your heart's shallow, ask God to go deep in the inside of you today. Ask Him to give you testimonies from your tests right now. Jesus, oh, change my heart, Lord, make it like yours. If you got weeds, ask the Lord to take out the weeds out of your heart right now. Say, forgive me, Jesus, of my sins. Name out your sins today. And say, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Jesus. Jesus. Just a few more moments on your own, and then we're going to worship to that song together. Then we're going to worship to that song. We'll get the words up right now. But here is your time to pray between you and God. Here is your time to pray right now. Soften my heart. Dig it down deep and get out all the weeds. 30 more seconds. Don't leave out here the same way you came. Don't leave out here the same way you came. This is for you right now. This is overtime. OT for you. 15 more seconds. Hearts will change. Let's get the words up, gentlemen, por favor. Right now, we're going to worship in just a moment. But hearts were changed. Ten more seconds. Ten more seconds. Hearts can change in the presence of a king. And now, if that's you, and you want the good ground of heaven, all of us who want it, let us raise up our hands and sing this out today. Take my heart and form it. Take my heart. Take my heart. Come on and conform it. Transform it. Woo! Take my will. Conform it. Yes, to yours. To yours. To yours. 
that again. So take my heart. Take my heart and fall in. Take my mind. Transform it. To yours, to yours, Lord, Lord. That's why we say holiness, holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Oh, holiness, holiness is what you want from me. Brandon, would you pray for us? But before you do and we get ready to close, if you need prayer, we're going to let you come up as we close out today. We call it the after party. Those who are getting prayer, continue to pray. But before we dismiss and you pray for us, tell us something that you've seen in this congregation that has blessed you because you've blessed us. And I know a lot of people are going to tell you thank you through their offerings. But let us hear something good out of your mouth that you enjoyed about these last seven months because we've loved having you. I just love the hunger for not just God. It's easy to say I'm hungry for God in word, but I love seeing the hunger for God at this church indeed. Because it's like you guys don't just speak it, you show it. Your hunger and worship the way that you disciple each other and love and hold up each other and encourage each other is something that is so lost in the modern church. And to see a, a group of people who have created community here, that it's like family. Every time I come here, I feel like I'm with family. And it has been such a blessing. And to see you guys go out and unashamedly and unadulteratedly express the gospel of Jesus Christ to Chicago, you guys are making a difference. And I tell every other church and every other pastor that I come in contact with that you guys know how to do discipleship and that they should check out your form of discipleship because it's so amazing. And don't take it for granted because you don't find this in any other churches around. And this is a special place with a special group of leaders who truly love Jesus. And I am honored to call you guys my family and my friends. And I am so glad I got to be here for seven months with you guys. Thank you, B. We love you. Pray for us. And those who need prayer will hang out. Thank you. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that today, God, if there has been those who maybe had the fallow ground heart, God, if there were those, Lord, who had the shallow ground heart, if there were those, Lord, who weeds were growing up in their heart, Father, that you love us so much, God, that you can transform hearts in a moment. And so we just thank you, God, for every person who is walking, Lord, and bearing fruit, Father. You said that they would know us as your disciples by the fruit we bear. You said yes. in John 15, 8, that you would, yes, that we right. produce much fruit. So God, yes. we want to be 
fruitful disciples for you that the whole world starting right here in our homes in our families in our schools and in the city of Chicago would see Lord that we are true disciples of the one true living God and his name is Jesus and we thank you that you have called us and appointed us Lord and anointed us to go out and preach the gospel so may we never be ashamed may we never be afraid because lord we are those who have hearts that produce good fruit and much fruit and we call that done in the mighty awesome holy powerful and precious name of jesus yes amen let's give it up for jesus one more time the king of our hearts amen you're dismissed slap your neighbor high five and say have a good day god bless you come up for prayer if you need it otherwise we'll see you at life groups god bless you come up for prayer and worship otherwise enjoy your day It's who I am. It's who I am.